0: Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And, uh, they say it ain't easy. He's green. green. Gang green have their man. Jets
1: got themselves a
0: great one. Robert Sala. Robert Sala. We talk about all gas, no brake, the great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. Whoa. We're talking about the process at which we do things.
1: I'm not gonna lie to you. Hurry
0: up! Hurry up! Hurry up! Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's
1: no way I'm not gonna have enthusiasm on the
0: sideline. Hey, own this run! Own this run! The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna
2: win next Sunday. Welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam, Valley, New York, my name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. Yo! Guys, don't worry. The Wookiee's still going to be back here. He'll be back from time to time. We haven't lost the Wookiee. We have a new venture in the future coming up that Wookiee's going to be a part of, but we do have someone else joining the team, Mike. We do have someone else joining the team. Got a trial run the past two weeks. Guess what he did? Hit it out of the park, Mike! Hit it out of the park, we can get into that in a moment. Harrison the champion, teacher, podcaster, writer, the busiest man in the Jet universe today. Welcome to the show, Harrison Glazer.
1: I appreciate it, man. I'm excited. Like You guys run a great show here. The Ain't Easy Being Green podcast is elite man you guys light it up every week i'm excited to be joining the team i'm excited to be here bring you know my perspective my my voice my ideas there's gonna be good stuff man i can't wait to get into it and talk all about them jets because there's a lot to talk about well yeah. the
0: biggest thing is you're a jet fan
1: well, i'm through a jet and through fan. man
0: through, and through A jet fan we <laughs> are united in brotherhood we are jet fans so let's get it <laughs> yeah, being a
1: Jet fan is like a badge of honor. Like like you said, there's no fair weather Jet fan. There was a fair weather Jet fan. They left in like 1970. Like 1971. Yeah. That's, That's when the fair weather Jet fans were gone. No, and I'm just being like,
0: real. Let me, be, let me be real with you. Like I see a Jet fan in Houston walking around with a Jet shirt. I'm like, oh, that dude's from New York. Like I know. <laughs> I know. Like I, it's not even, it's not fake. You could be a Yankee fan walking around. You could be, you know, bandwagon, whatever. You're a Jet fan. You know what I'm saying? You're real. Yeah. You're real, it's just the way it is. Like, and there's I mean... no there's no bandwagon to jump on.
2: So your <laughs> exactly. your fan, your fandom, there's certain teams, your fandom is never questioned when someone sees you rocking it. You see the Yanks, you see the Giants, you see the Steelers, you see the Cowboys, certain teams like right. it could be there's a chance it's Fugazi. There's a chance it's Fugazi. Nobody sees somebody wearing jet gear and goes, Oh, that guy jumped on the bandwagon. Everyone goes, that dude's a real fan right there. And Harrison's one of those people joining us on a permanent basis here now, so we're stoked about that. And let's just get right to it, guys. Last week, Union City, New Jersey, Bergenfield, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx. You guys lit it up. I mean, we had our most listens ever. Keith, Mike, the Harrison combination. I mean, we hit it out of the park last week, Mike. We just got to thank everybody. I mean we got I don't know I don't know what the flood of uh interest was last week. Harrison was a big part of it. The show was tremendous. So wanna thank everyone for jumping on board with us last week, our biggest week ever, Mike. Most yeah. successful week in the history of AABG when it comes to listens, downloads, all those things. We'll start switching it over to YouTube. Maybe some people start clicking on the videos, get a few more views, get a few more subscribers. Who knows what could happen, Mike? Who knows what could happen?
0: Who knows? But-
2: if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to take two seconds here just to give my little cousin a shout out. Liam Farrell, my little cousin, kudos to you. He's heading into his senior year of high school coming up here. He plays on a travel team for a while now, soccer travel team that's been going around the country kicking butt. They play all over the place. These kids are really, really good. They've won the state title, the state cup, three years in a row. They were going for that fourth year in a row this past weekend. Okay, guys, the game was one nothing. Their team was winning, got tied up 1-1 got to the 70th minute. Crunch time. Crucial moments of the game, and this happens right here. Nice little set piece. See a little set piece. Nice pass, and BOOYAKA! Top right corner getting the job done! I see you! I see you, Liam. Knocking that goal in to win the game. Ended up being the game winner. Just watch it one more time. Let's throw it up here again. Oh! the patience, the anticipation, it's all there. The kids got it all. Big, in the most crucial moments of the game, Liam Farrell, kudos to you. Four titles in a row for your squadron. Kudos to you guys. Uh, number 10, number 12, number 14. Guys played great. Everyone played great. The whole team played good. Number 20, little number 20 out there causing problems for people. I saw what you were up to. I saw you missed the ball on purpose there when the ref bounced it to you. Probably took another minute off the clock on that sideline throw. Number 20, smart guy. But my favorite part. My favorite part of the game was the goal, obviously, but it was after the goal, guys, okay? Because during the game, a bunch of these little chumps who were rooting for the other team, because this happened to be an away game, were screaming a bunch of things, obscenities, things that were offensive. But when you're 17 or 18, like these clowns, being offensive's funny then. That's funny then. You're going to grow up and realize how stupid you are. But you don't know that now, so I'll give you a pass, you little chumps, It's cool. But yelling at a bunch of things, stupid things, immature things, And then the goal gets dropped on your boys and this happens that's right you got shushed and you got your comeuppance there it is right there so once again very proud of you liam very proud of your team you guys did a great job kudos to winning four titles in a row and always remember in life you'll learn this those guys on the field talking all that smack number eight in the other team pushing people then when the ref gets in front of him he's calling people a pussy You're going to learn that's the softest guy on the other team. He's trying to present himself as the opposite of that because he's standing in front of his friends. He wants to be an idiot. He's calling this guy this. He's calling that guy a name. He's pushing people. Once the ref gets there, he gets even louder. That's the softest guy on their team. So that's my cousin knocking the game-winning goal in the State Cup Finals in Connecticut, getting the job done, okay? Showing the athletic prowess of the Farrells has been passed on, the next generation, All right, Game-winning goal, state championship game, that's a big deal. I wanna ask you guys. Now, I don't have anything equivalent to that personally myself, okay? You know, you killed it there, okay? I can't equal that in my life, and you're only, like, 16, 17 years old, so, you know, that's kudos to you. But let me ask Michael, I'm gonna go to you first. In your own personal life. Now, not everyone has to achieve that level of greatness. It could just be beating someone you hate one-on-one. We all have those things that in our life we remember as our best sports moment individually if you participated in sports Mike what's yours
0: oh man my top sports moment probably was uh when me my boy Vernon and my boy Dave at high school did a three-on-three tournament and uh, we just smoked everybody in the building. Dominated. Dominated. You just that.
2: dominated in the low crushed block, Mike, like this. Calling for it.
0: Just crushed cats. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was ill. And it was. Uh, it was. You know, the varsity basketball team. We were younger too. Yeah, we yeah. Just smoked everybody. It was. That was awesome. I mean, I played varsity basketball. Had a good few moments there. Yeah. Had a couple of dunks in games. That was pretty dope. Nice. But that. Like winning it, and then looking at everybody <laughs> in my school, like. What's up now? Greatest.
2: Oh, I love it. I, I, that's that's a that's a dope one right there, Harrison. What do you got for us in your life? Your be, your best athletic achievement, or just your best sports moment in your own life?
1: And that's an easy one for me. I mean, it's not football. I mean, ironically, even though as much as I love football, I wrote an article about it last year when I was telling my story. I actually. Interestingly enough, and it could be one of my stories, I actually walked on to Stony Brook's team and I actually went from not playing sports, you know, at all. Like I wasn't playing football. I played in my freshman year. Uh, I, I, I was kind of like I was a big guy, but I wasn't the strongest. I was playing line, but I wasn't the best at it. Like I remember, like, playing offensive line and not being able to get the assignments right. Yeah. <laughs> and not knowing, like, th- those guys are so smart. They don't get enough credit. Like, they really don't. Like, the-, the backbone of teams. And I remember the coach just turning me around, like, literally coming out in the field and just turning me around and go, okay, your job is to now get the quarterback. <laughs> because that that would be easier, hopefully, for you. <laughs> but oh, that's awesome, man. <clears throat> yeah, but moving on from that, though, my actually, my favorite baseball memories actually from baseball like I remember being in I played travel baseball when I was younger and we were in the championships we were in the playoffs and it was like the perfect situation like I wasn't as good as football but baseball was my sport like I was a power hitter I always batted cleanup. that was my position literally couldn't be more perfect we're in like the bottom of the final inning and we're down by one run there's a guy on third we have one out I'm up to bat I just not getting, not too hard, but just enough that it goes over the infield, but yeah. in front of the outfield, because that's all I had to do, exactly. I get to first. I just remember getting to first and turning around and everyone is charging at me and all of a sudden I'm being lifted up and they're going, Harrison, Harrison. And then the coach gives me the game ball and tells me I earned it. Like that that was without a doubt my greatest sports. Oh, game. that's, 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 that's
0: sick. Awesome. Oh, I never. And those are the
2: type of things, man, that just stay with you for your whole life. Game-winning hits, game-winning moments. My cousin's going to be 40 one day. Maybe he'll go on and have a great career in soccer, but that moment he had last weekend is going to probably last with him. Guys, me personally, I don't have anything that can equal to your playing on Stony Brook Harrison or a legendary hit in a competitive game. I've had a few, nothing where my, my team mobbed me. I wish that happened, but I do have this, guys. I do have this. Michael Garris knows... Me and all of our friends used to play this pickup softball game every weekend for about six or seven years. Oh. And in the World Series, the Willow World Series, guys, three game series, game three, bottom of the seven, bases loaded. Chris Schleich, I cannot wait for you to hear this podcast right now. You served one up, full count, and I put it in the water to hit a grand slam to win the World Series. Okay, Harrison, I got mobbed by my friends, got beers dumped on my head as a 21-year-old man, and nothing is better than defeating your friends. <laughs> nothing in the world, maybe besides the Jets winning was Super Bowl, okay? Second to that is beating my friends at anything, and they all know that. okay? So, hey, look, my cousin's got a great achievement. Harrison's got a great one. Me and Mike, you know, we got ours too, but that's why we love sports, guys. Moments like that, and we're, we're hoping, and with the Jets here, we're hoping 2021, we're going to get some of these moments with one Zach
0: Wilson. Yeah. We're uh... we
2: not, guys. Guys, really and guys, OTAs have popped off, and I'm going to let Mike just take it because Mike has been loving him. Harrison's been tweeting out about right. him left and right. Go oh, yeah. ahead, Mike.
0: Look, 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 look. Uh, and again, I don't want to go beat a dead horse. 2018, I didn't want Sam Darnold. I wanted Baker Mayfield. We didn't get Baker Mayfield. We got Sam, whatever. This year, I wanted Zach Wilson. Keith knows it. Everyone, I wanted him. That's who I want. I didn't want Trevor Lawrence. I want Zach Wilson. He comes in. He doesn't look like a rookie, he's executing. His numbers, as of today, in OTAs, 83 for 108. This is by um, Mr. Matt O'Leary. Thank you for the stats. 83 for 108, 76% completion percentage. I understand it's OTAs. He's completing 76% of his passes. 13 touchdowns, one INT, and that INT wasn't his fault, and which Harrison will, will uh, talk about here in a second. Yesterday was his best day. He was decimating. Keith, killing it. Killing it, killing was. it. Like Those I'm don't. not playing. Like he was lighting up the defense. Okay. The exact
1: quote, actually, which was beautiful, was Zach Wilson doesn't look good for a
0: rookie. He just looks good. Yes. Period. Yes. He was connecting with Elijah Moore multiple occasions. He was connecting with Keelan Cole. The yeah. grab that you tweeted out, Harrison. I I had to rewind it a couple times. I said, what the exciting whoa okay now again not get all our panties in a bunch let's not get all ridiculous but what i am saying is this the fact that oh he plays at byu he plays against bad competition he's playing in the nfl right now lighting it up in camp so next step let's see with the pads and then absolutely the game but so far you cannot be not excited as a new york jet fan harrison please take it away
1: Yeah, man, and you nailed it, you know,
0: with all those things. I did this,
1: I disproved all of them. When all those stupid rumors came out, I disproved them immediately. The ones with them saying, you know, the three-car garage crap being entitled, not a team player, not a leader. Well, he wasn't a cat. He had a captain badge. On every color uniform. Like, I literally tweeted that. I thought every color uniform, all four that he wore, each yeah. one had a captain badge. He was a leader. He, All of his teammates came out immediately refuted all those things. I'm with you, and I think you and me saw it eye to eye, going back to, like you said, 2018. I wasn't on the Sam train either, and primarily because I didn't think we were going to get him. Like, it was projected that we weren't getting him. I was originally, actually, Lamar Jackson was my guy. Like really? Lamar Jackson was totally my guy, loved him. Big ACC fan, watched him a lot. Same reason I was big on Mackay Becton, but I knew there was no way we were taking him at three. Like I just knew that wasn't happening. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like I wanted Lamar Jackson, but I'm like that's not happening. So I got all aboard the Baker train. Like I was all, I aboard was the all Baker on team. Baker. Uh, oh, I was ready. Yes. I was reading articles of his character and his leadership and everything, and I was like, this guy's gonna be freaking great. I'm ready. I was the stupid, the stupidest thing. I was running around saying stupid shit like, bake me a cake. I was running like, bake me a
0: cake. Baker's our guy. Like, stupid things. Like, I was all excited. I was hyped. I know. I know. With a flag, I sent pictures of him just putting the flag in the Gillette Stadium. I remember. Sorry, son. I was telling Keith. And then you bought that in
1: New York. Like, you then, want those giant cojones. Then yeah.
0: those stories started coming out. That the Browns wanted big. Ba- I'm like, uh, what? No. And then I was right there at the draft, and they took him, and I just looked to the
2: ground. Yeah, like, I was just What man. the?
0: man yeah and like, oh, you know it, was, what?
2: It, was, it
1: was shocking and it shocked everybody
2: yeah was, we weren't in contact with you uh, at that point harrison but me and mike that night were not the most excited now what you do <laughs> as fans what do we do you, you draft a guy you're not excited about you regroup eventually and you say all right let's get behind him and hope sam could kill it um but the initial feelings and initial trepidation i think you had mike had i had many yeah. jet fans had proved at least with the jets here to be correct with Sam. He's not somebody that's going to carry the team on his back. He's not going to do it himself. Um, And you hopefully don't have to put Zach Wilson into that situation. But this kid, I mean, this kid, when it comes to just in shorts, like you guys said, um, he's slinging it. Looks efficient, getting rid of the ball quick. A big throw to Elijah Moore yesterday. You guys know Elijah Moore made the one-handed grab touchdown. Keelan Cole killing it. But let's get into one Elijah Moore. First glance, OTAs, first reps, first time out there. What are people saying about one Elijah Moore?
1: It could not be going better. It literally couldn't be going any better. I mean, I was excited when we got him. I remember he wasn't on my radar. I was thinking we'd go wide receiver later. But he's the kind of guy, when you take him, you're like, oh, Okay, cool. Like, uh, yep. you guys remember, I pointed out, we talked about it. Elijah Moore had the most receiving yards in the slot in the most two year last two years, period. Caught every single one of his red zone targets, 25 or 25. Elite root runner, which is kind of like what we were talking about before with the, uh, which I was actually going to bring up with Keelan Cole. We can uh, you know, transition with that uh, as well. But it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, Keelan Cole and what's going on with the starters right there. What's interesting is... And I was surprised by it because, you know, Mims is our guy. Like, I I really liked Mims. Like, Mims was supposed to be a first-round prospect. I mean, I still think he's super talented. I even said I still think he can be a wide receiver one. Like, you watch some of the catches he makes, some of the ability he has. I think he totally has it, and he can be that. But so far in camp, and I you look at uh, I I mentioned uh, I was talking to you guys earlier about I've actually been in contact with one of the beat writers I'm doing exclusives now on my Twitter where we're doing personal interviews he said it and then also Connor Hughes confirmed it he's actually asked a question and Hughes tweeted me back Hughes tweeted and answered back and I put an article out today saying this that apparently we all thought Mims wasn't playing because he was injured which was the conception but apparently according to Connor Hughes and DJ again both confirmed it both saying verbatim the same thing which is when I was like, okay, that's interesting that Mims has been healthy for a couple of days now, but he's consistently been working with the twos, and Keelan Cole has been consistently working with the ones, and it's not just a fluke. Hughes went as far to say, and I didn't know this, this was news to me, like breaking news. Apparently he said Joe Douglas has been trying to acquire Keelan Cole for the last two years, but hasn't been able to because the Jaguars didn't want to let him go. They knew what they had, and if you think about it, Joe Douglas has only been here two years. So basically his long as he's been here, he's been trying to get Keelan Cole. So when we, uh, and what they also pointed out was in this new scheme, in the Robert Sala scheme that they're in the Michael system that they're using, you want precision root runners. That's yeah. a very important aspect they were saying. And they feel from what they've seen that Mims is a very linear player and kind yeah. of more one dimensional, which again, I kind of disagree with. I like what I saw in Mims. I feel like that root tree can develop, but from what they're saying and what they're seeing, Keelan Cole is consistently running with the ones, even though Mims is healthy right now. They like his running ability. And even though they drafted Mims last year, because my thought would be, you know, he's one of Douglas's guys. He just took Mims. Well, at the same time, they just said he's been trying to actively get Keelan Cole, which means Keelan Cole is also one of his guys. So it's very interesting to watch that situation to see once they put pads on. How that develops, Look. yeah. And
2: you know what, dude? When you started tweeting out about that, not to interrupt you, Mike, I looked into that, and it, that's all I read was that it seems like at least thus far they think Cole's a better fit for what they're trying to do on offense, and that's the word I heard used with, with Mims was linear with these straight routes, with maybe not yeah, having that's exactly their, what I heard. It comes was, to, when yeah. it comes to his routes. We know Elijah Moore is not going to have an issue with that, or some of the other guys, but um I don't know, Mike. Do you think with us having Davis, Elijah Moore, I think they might work something out with Crowder's contract? contract here he might be on steam next year when we start and now Keelan Cole's ascension where does that kind of put Mims here in the pecking order
0: I think that Keelan Cole right from the get had a rapport with Zach Wilson Zach Wilson immediately on his first OTAs you guys remember he was him and Keelan Cole just had a connection I read it on multiple beat writers that were covering it and look when you have that type of connection that's organic you don't mess with it and um look the offense will become what it is we're not going to force feed anything Denzel Mims has a skill set there's no question about that but he's going to have to make and uh, uh, make his presence known and put himself in this offense where he becomes a value but I will tell you this I'm seeing and hearing about Braxton Berrios making impacts in this offense see it's all about scheme see people talk about oh it's the quarterback oh it's a talent is important because you got to be able to execute but the scheme is really what allows a player to blossom and this scheme fit could be amazing for people like Braxton Berrios and for Keelan Cole and for Corey Davis who is a spectacular route runner remember what we were saying that's what this is all about blocking running scheme and being able to get open when you're supposed to and i'm telling you this if mims uh falls behind a bit okay but i'm sure that mike LaFour is going to use him as the wet because i'll tell you this he has the same speed that an elijah moore and that a a uh, keelan cole have he he's a very fast receiver and none of them have the length he has so there will be opportunity for him on third and four, third and two near the goal line to throw, you know what I'm saying? Where he's got certain tools that the others physically just don't. So we'll see where everything falls, but a smart offensive coordinator, a smart coach will leverage their tools, their people, their players correctly.
2: Yeah, you know what? I think when you're talking about Corey Davis, guys, we know he's in line for a big target share next year. And I think elijah moore i mean just getting back to him real quick when you talk about routes being athletic fast smart There's nothing that kid doesn't really have a weak spot in his game. And and what the reports you're reading is he's not dropping anything, which isn't a surprise. I think it was 98% of catchable balls last year he caught, which is just blows your mind. 84% altogether. And he had 86 catches. He only played eight games. So it's not like he was. It's not like a guy who you look out there like Waddle and you're like, oh, he had 45 catches. This guy had a ton of targets, caught everything around him. So and he ran a 4 3 5. So I don't know. I don't know where Mims when this shakes out. I mean, Harrison's going to be on the inside beat for us here. But when this shakes out, man, I'm very interested to see where Mims falls in the pecking order. I really, yeah, really no, am interested to see where that falls, man.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, man. And kind of like what, uh, what Mike pointed out, you know, with where Mims could potentially fall, I think like like Mike said, he'll definitely be utilized in certain situations yeah. because that's what Robert Sala does. We talked about, it. and Michael Floor, scheming intelligently, not being the Adam Gase of trying to force a round yeah. piece into a square hole yeah. for like 35 minutes and forcing it. He's yeah. gonna use players to their strengths. So here, Mims will be used. The here, question is, is Mims gonna get a lot of time over Keelan Cole? Would be interesting.
0: Now, now I'm gonna say something that's controversial because Keith is going to fight this, but I have to bring it up. Um, Chris Herndon has been doing a pretty good job in camp, huh, Harris? Yes, he has. No, herndon job. Really and good. Not I'm just me. Yeah, and not just that. Zach likes him a lot, from what I've been reading, and he has been catching the ball, and he has not been dropping it, and he's been consistently one of the top receivers in OTAs. Keith, is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah,
1: Herndon's been good. I mean, I was hoping Kenny Yaboa would step up as a receiving option. I haven't heard anything from him. In fact, I've actually heard more receiving from Tyler Croft, which is very interesting. I would actually say Tyler Croft has gotten probably as much attention as Chris Herndon has. Honestly, they've both been decent receiving options. So if you want a wild take, my wild take is if Tyler Croft looks as good as Chris Herndon, well, Tyler Croft can block circles around Chris Herndon. That's true. I'd like to see Tyler Croft play more if they both look equal.
2: I mean, Chris Herndon was supposed to be a receiving tight end who just couldn't catch the ball last year, as we know. His second year, he gets to DU, blows his hamstring out, wasted that whole season. In his first year, he had a couple of good games, don't get me wrong. People act like he was like a great tight end. He wasn't. He wasn't great that year either. So this is year four. And like we said, I'm happy that Wilson and Moore and other guys are doing good in OTAs. And it matters that Hernan is doing good too, Mike, because when's the last positive report on this kid we've heard? <laughs> it's been a while. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. I'll file it away. And we'll see what happens once these preseason game starts coming because he has been an absolute dumpster fire of a tight end for two years. You can't block and you can't catch. Why are you on the football team? What do you do for the football team to help us? You do nothing, okay? I don't even want to talk about Chris. He just makes me mad. But I want, what I do want to go through, and I want to throw this at Harrison, is last year's draft class, okay? Bunch of dudes, bunch of good players. Some guys play decent. We know Beckham. We, we know Mims flashed. Davis was not the best, but he showed – some flashes here and there. I want to get into the best year's draft class so far in 2021. I know it hasn't been a lot of time. It panned out
1: exactly how I thought it would. I, it, remember, I, the, I was you saying thought? it. You no, know, it is. And I, if you guys want to check it out, I, I've been saying for a long time, since the first draft, the end of the first draft, I've been saying, Joe Douglas is a great GM. Yeah. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like, he just had his first draft. He have not seen anything pan out. I'm like, trust me. From everything I've seen from the situation he was put in, from decisions he made, I was getting to that point. Like, this guy just... He does everything right. Like, he checks everything. I was at the point by the draft where I was like, if he kills it, he's a great GM. So on Monday, actually, because people ask me all the time, I put out a podcast. Check it out. My last podcast episode on my Take Flight, Spit and Fire podcast. It was an hour and change of me going through all the reasons of why I think Joe Douglas is a great GM. From the impossible position he was put in to the decisions he's made across the board.
2: Let me ask you this, though. So, 2020 draft. Now, in so far as today as we do this podcast update. Becton, another injury. I'm not saying he's injury prone, but in the NFL, he's had a few years. He's not he injury prone. I know in Louisville, he didn't get hurt a lot, but I don't give a shit about Louisville. I care about the Jets. On the Jets, he's been hurt more than I want, okay? I don't well, care what right he It means nothing to me. Let yeah. me just go through this real quick. Becton's been hurt. Min has been doing nothing so far. He dropped, he dropped a couple balls yesterday. Davis, I don't think he's on the field yet, right? Ashton Davis still has a nagging injury. I don't think he's out there yet. Um, Morgan, it looks like he doesn't even know how to play football. Morgan should he's get a horrible quarterback. So Zuniga and Clark are running with the backups, and then Hall and P. Ryan are also a question mark. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, I am i wouldn't
1: call Hall a question mark. Hall's penciled in as CB1 right now. Yeah, he is CB1. Like, that's CB1? CB1? Yeah, without yes. a doubt. Well, yes. and it's honestly, it's kind of I like— I guess Brian Costello New York
2: Post would disagree with you because he put him on, but he he said he's the he's the question mark, Perrine's question mark. Everyone from the draft class last year, apparently, so far has done nothing in OTAs at all so that's what i'm trying to get to here is like should we be concerned about this because um you need that class to hit you need a bunch of those guys to hit and i'm not hearing anything about any of those guys right now
0: so right now the cb1 is hall oh, i don't costello is the one of the worst you know well, i can't well, take that guy. yeah I, I i don't i, I don't I, to my, him my guys at all he's he's useless Yeah, my guy's Uh, using DJ. Paul is a is CB one right now. Whether is he going to be a great cornerback? I don't know. I'm not saying he is, but he's the number one cornerback. We (laughs) got no one else. I mean, that's what it. Ashton Davis. We're going to go through positional groups. Um, I'm excited about him, but again, he hasn't really proven anything. Uh, Morgan was a terrible pick. He should be cut. He shouldn't even be on the team. Period. I can get wanting to cut him now, but I actually don't think he was a terrible. he's, He's he he. I understand what they did. He just yeah. isn't good. I mean, just I mean Harrison, he, he's not. <laughs> no, good. I'm not arguing that. I'm yeah, just I saying saw, the fact I,
1: that it was a bad pick at the time. You, I, I disagree. Right, with. right. But right. Cutting no, no, him no. Now I
0: can totally be on board. Un- understood. But yeah. Yeah. You, you never yeah. would, You never know what you're going to get in, in a, from a quarterback in the fourth round, right? You never know. Um, I mean, look at what we did in the second round with with the Christian Hackenberg. I mean, that was the second round. That was yeah. the worst pick. You guys ever, know. Anyway. I, don't know about, I don't know if you guys yeah, told you. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted was Dak Prescott. Zuniga. Again, question mark? P. Ryan? I don't really think he has a spot on. But this I team. think you. Can I say don't say either. But Hall, Robert Sala proved me wrong about P. Ryan. Bryce I,
2: Hall's played yeah. nine games though, so if someone wants to say he's a question mark, that's not a stretch. I don't care if he's penciled in CB one or not. He's played nine games as a pro in the NFL, but that doesn't mean he's a CB one. Well, if you're questioning,
1: you know? can he get injured again? That's possible because he had injury history in college. That's why he was yeah. such a late pick. And when Bryce Hall play play till, played late, well, so when he, he played, played he looked year. like a first-round pick.
0: Like well, people said that. Well, when I say when we say question mark, right? Mr. Costello puts a question mark. The CB1 was taken in the 5th round. That's a phenomenal pick in the 5th round. I think he got it's another one hit. in the sixth. It's not I think a question he got mark, one this year. it's a hit. Period. I don't want any Well, it's a hit by that default. It's a bad pick. Like, yeah, but hold, on a second. hold on a second. Hold
2: on a second. I I get what you're trying to say, but if Bryce Halls our CB1 by default, he's played 9 games. And I understand people thought he played great last year. That's fine. What, what is he ranked in the NFL cornerback? Nope. He's, but what he's not I'm in the saying, Well, Hold
0: on, well, Bro, as a pick for Joe Douglas, it's an as as A plus. As a fifth round pick, without a doubt, pick. But an another A-plus. what
2: that's not even in the conversation. What, do you, what does that have to
0: but do that, with that? But we're judging Joe Douglas's drafting. Right? I'm judging
2: so, the CB one. I don't care if he's the first pick of the oh, draft. Well, we or the don't the seventh know. Round. And that's what I'm saying. Who we cares? don't know. We don't. Don't know. sleep on Bryce no, Holmes. No, no, no. Don't We sleep. don't
0: know if. Bryce Hall is going to be a great corner. I said that. We don't know if Bryce Hall going to be a But that's why corner. he's a question
2: mark. That's what. That's all what, i that's what was saying, I okay. think. Okay. My, that... my point is, all I'm saying is this, and you guys can disagree. I don't know anyone from last year's draft except Becton. Right now... That I'm confident in saying, Oh, they're going to be good moving forward as a jet for the next three or four. Years.
1: Well, before I'm happy to answer because before you know, you, you yeah, you, you mentioned it and you know, he said, Do You want me to defend that class? I'll yeah. defend it, man. I, it was a great draft then, and it's still a great draft. I mean, you look at OTAs again, it's shorts right now, so this doesn't mean anything. And you mentioned some guys, it's, it's voluntary, some guys aren't even there, and some guys are banged up right now, taking it easy. Like, that's the thing with Beckton. Last year, he's not injury prone, last year, he had a shoulder injury, and I, this is very important. I've been saying this a lot. I tweeted this out last year and yeah, pointed it, it out when mean? it was happening I was screaming it on top of my lungs because I actually had spoken to somebody in the medical staff they're not there anymore which is probably a good thing maybe but in the medical staff at the time that I wound up meeting when I was back in 2018 and what they had told me was and I based on Becton's injury and I looked it up myself and done research and they confirmed this for me his shoulder injury You can't play through that. If you're an offensive lineman that uses your upper body and your arms for leverage, you can't play through that. In fact, they confirmed for me, because I looked it up, his injury, if continued to be aggravated, would eventually and inevitably lead to a tear. And that's what I was saying last year, that he needed to be shut down and Adam Gase was forcing him back out. So he's not injury prone, he never had time to heal. The guy's thrown back out before he's ready because the guy wants to play. He was a rookie, of course the kid wants to play. We saw guys back in the 90s 80s. Remember, like their head is falling off, and they're walking out on the field. It's the coach's job as the freaking adult and the medical staff to say no. But Adam Gase didn't do that. Same thing with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold had a separated AC, uh, uh, a separated AC joint last year, which is the same thing as a separated shoulder. Yet they kept playing him. Yeah, like it's crazy. And I mims, forgot about and when that mims, when mims, and, in when,
0: and when Mims got time. Mims was one of the top, was in the top 10 in yards per catch. I can't wait to. Def- I'll defend him was in top the, yeah. 10 in yards per catch. So, <clears throat> we he didn't do anything special to your point, but let's see what he does. He looks special. He looked, I, I, but I, I, we just I got finished talking no about how he might be, we just
2: we're... got finished talking about how he might be like
1: fifth on the depth chart. So,
2: I
0: mean, maybe I so guess, bro, we don't know. you don't know. It's a, it is a question
1: mark to your point. Makai Beckton has plantar fasciitis right now. People that are 110 pounds get plantar fasciitis. It has nothing to do with weight, nothing to do with size. They asked Robert Sala, and again, it's maybe some people say it's Rich Cimini. I don't know who it is, but sometimes I guess somebody twists the story because Robert Sala, people said that he was saying, oh, Makai's weight's a problem. That's not what he said. I listened to the interview. He said, if the guy is athletic and agile in this system, he's fine the way he is and actually shook his head. And then went to say conditioning is king. And some people just focused on the conditioning part. Mekhi Becton is faster and more quick at 370 pounds than guys that are 300 pounds,
0: 290 pounds. That dude is fast. He's quick. But how are you defending P. Ryan? I thought that was a terrible. I didn't like to pick when, I, didn't I didn't like the pick when they made it. it. I don't like that pick and I still I think he should be cut in my opinion. So and, then, the mic, yeah. and how do you and then how do you support Zuniga because there were other players on the board. It's almost like an was, incomplete.
1: It's, it's funny you're saying like that I haven't Just, seen
2: him yet, you know, cuz the kid's been uh, yeah, banged up so much. I don't like this two.
0: And Cameron Clark better be a left guard st- like we heard all this stuff about Cameron Clark. He's one of the guys. I like him. I'm like I'm like this to this year, you better show up, bro. Well, here's the beauty. Okay, if you want something quick, and this is,
1: so I mentioned before, I'm actually doing exclusive interviews now. I'm talking personally with Uh, uh, DJ, one of the beat writers. He actually mentioned that to me because we brought up Cameron Clark, and this is interesting, I didn't realize this. He said, it's very difficult to get a beat on who the starting offensive linemen are in OTAs. Because he said they're constantly rotating and shifting, and the way they line up with shorts is not the same. Mm. So he said it's almost impossible to get a real beat on who the starters are. So that's an interesting thing. He said until they put pads on, he said, on offensive line, you can't really know for sure. And that's really kind of a direct quote from him. Guys, can I do a quick pivot? I want to ask you guys this.
2: What do you think about Morgan Moses and all the buzz you're hearing about? That'd be a hell of a pickup, man. Hell of a a, pickup. That's a a no-brainer, right?
1: No-brainer, yeah. yeah. I mean, you you sign him, George Fan. I mean, if he doesn't want to play right guard, it's how fast can you walk out the door? Like, Morgan (laughs) Moses is amazing, man. Morgan Moses has been one of the top right guards in the NFL for 10 years. And on top of that, he had his best career year last year. Oh, I want him, man. I don't get why he's not in the building yet. Yeah, Joe I'm Douglas and me seem to see the same on offensive linemen with Mackay Becton, with uh, uh, AV, AVT. I'm surprised Morgan Moses isn't in the building right now. That's a, I, another
2: big I, monster, I, too. That's a big man. Exactly. Well. No,
1: Exactly. And that's the thing with cameron clark you mentioned i liked him a lot i said it last year when they drafted him he was going through last year's draft class offensive linemen take time to develop that's why these ready-to-go offensive linemen go high avt beckton they go quick because most offensive linemen aren't ready the caliber of a defensive edge rusher in the nfl versus college is like like it's not even measurable like it's yeah. on a different wavelength yeah like for these offensive linemen to transition to covering a jj watt or his brother or the Boses, it's different yeah so <clears throat> You don't want to force an offensive lineman that's not ready out too quick. That's why offensive lineman, I feel, is one of those few positions still that takes time to develop. I'd said by this year, I think he'd be starting. Bro, Joe Douglas told Cameron Clark, I'm drafting you for your nasty streak. This dude likes to put people down. He plays nasty. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He takes it personal. He finishes
0: dudes. Like, in a way, he's like a smaller Mackay. Like, don't sleep on Cameron Clark. And I I know I shouldn't say this, Keith, but this year's draft... I'm good with Douglas. Period. From what I see no TAs. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. even need. I don't even need to see. How I'm good. Yeah, guys. Like you know this.
2: what I'm. And I'm. I'm not even that down on last year's draft either. Just someone's got to play devil's advocate. We got to hold their feet to the fire and examine every little tidbit here. And when, when it comes to the, I want to ask you this too, Harrison and Mike. When it comes to Moses, say we did bring him in, is Font an upgraded guard over Van Roten?
0: I don't or? think Font's gonna play. I think Font is more gonna be a rotator. Because when we signed him, right? remember he had
2: that flexibility that said he could yeah, play guard. Yeah, back all that. Play,
0: Font's contract he, is huge eight million dollars yeah yeah dollars uh, font i i and it became guaranteed after i think in march but i think oh, okay. they're just going to use oh. uh, with the plant fasciitis. and plantar fasciitis uh i know that harrison you're not as uh concerned and i'm very concerned okay because i saw eli manning i saw many players in the nfl go through this and you don't back. just get over it it stays with you and i don't know if Beckton is going to be 100 and if he's not 100 i know he's planetary i know he has gravity okay but if he's not 100 percent, you know that could be a risk and we got young zachary back there zach looks great in otas what it happens when he gets hit i am concerned about it and so i want moses in there and having a guy like Fant maybe be the ba- the insurance policy is exactly what would be needed in my opinion Right now, with this situation. And that's
2: logical, Mike, because I mean, you look at the best quarterbacks in the league. You take Patrick Mahomes. What happened in the Super Bowl when the offensive line couldn't protect him? He's the best player in the league. I mean, you just need that protection. An average, exactly. an average quarterback becomes great when he has protection.
0: Exactly. And the, and the
2: great quarterbacks operate at levels you can't even imagine, like Tom Brady, when they have protection, right? Dak
0: Prescott, fourth round pick, steps into the, oh, oh, the Cowboys and looked like a superstar. Why? Was it because of him or was it because of that offensive line? Great quarterback, and he did develop into a really good one, but that offensive line definitely <laughs> Man, that's my guy
1: that's my guy right there i wish someone listened me when it comes to quarterbacks i can go off the list like i don't pat myself in the back too much for my quarterbacks that that my, got paid, the guys paid. i wanted i mean shit, if i would have got, got anything i wanted we'd be fine right now but yeah.
2: i'm happy with
0: zach yeah
2: yeah guys one other guy i want to touch on now he wasn't in camp for most of the otas he was there he's been in the last couple days hasn't really participated too much yet his car one carl lawson Harrison has some stats he wants to throw. OTAs. that guy's going to be an animal. Oh, he's, I don't care about it. He could skip OTAs for all I care. Him and Quentin, me, me and Harrison were texting for the show just thinking about him and Quentin. I know Oldbrook just is foaming at the mouth thinking about this. Quentin Williams. And don't sleep
1: on John Franklin Myers.
2: Yep. Oh, not at all. And, what, and this is the thing. There's other players that are going to benefit so much. For, obviously, Quentin Williams by himself is a tremendous player. But who else did teams have to focus on really last year when it came to getting after quarterback? Really nobody. Now you, you have to. You can't just leave Lawson by himself. You have to do something. You have to have a running back keeping an eye. You have to have a tight end keeping an eye on him. Um, and when it comes to ESPN next-gen stats, now Harrison has some dope stats for us on Lawson. I want to throw this at you guys. Last year, uh, sacks created in the NFL from ESPN next-gen sacks, Lawson was seventh in the NFL, the most seventh most disruptive player in the league, up there with Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, um, Mac, Justin Houston, three-year, $45 million contract, guys. I cannot wait to see this guy unleashed. It's been John Abraham probably the last time i guess i guess calvin pace we can technically count you can buy like john abraham me,
1: not this level can,
2: yeah no not john abraham is a uh calvin pace was not at this level john abraham was a high-end rusher of the quarterback right that's the last guy we've had of this at least potential hasn't been there for otas i didn't really care skip the otas send the videos and he's there now that's all that matters what do you guys think about the potential of him and Q next
0: season. They, they, let me ask you something. The last time we had a real, uh, besides Abraham, a true, true pass rushing attack was the sack exchange, right?
2: I, I mean, Abraham and Ellis were on the team at the same time. I would say they generated Ellis. That was and, exciting.
1: Sean Ellis is one of my favorite pass
2: rushers. Gastano. Yeah, Sean Ellis. Without a question. I would say, Mike, when it comes to the entire defensive line, yeah, yeah. A, yeah the 80s. But I think uh, El- Abraham and Ellis caused some problems for people because Ellis, underrated player, um and if you remember the game when we beat the Patriots up there, man. I mean, God bless Sean Ellis, sack and Tom Brady right there in the first drive. I love that man. Um, but yo, it's it's been forever, Mike. I mean, yeah, we have been asking, we hoping, praying to sign a guy, draft a guy, get a guy off the edge that could cause problems. And I heard a lot of Jet fans. I shouldn't say a lot, but maybe guys that aren't in the know as much as Harrison or people like us that just devour all this information. They're like, well, look at all the ceiling they had that many sacks last year. And I get it. I know that sack total. You want to see a guy rip off 15, 20 sacks, whatever. But that's not what it's all oh, I'll about. I'll make you feel
0: better about
2: it. Yeah, go ahead, Harrison. Let them know. Let them know. The I'll make you I'll feel better.
0: I-, I would just want to say, I just want to give uh, one of my predictions real quick and then let-, and let go. I think this will be the best defensive line the Jets have had since the sack exchange. Better than the Sons of Anarchy. Better than Ellis and John Abraham. I think, especially what you, the guy we just added from uh, San Francisco, knowing robert salas scheme the guys we already had with were great run stuffers guys that haven't even been turned loose like john franklin myers right and then you have a healthy quinnon williams who was just coming into his own up the middle and then carl lawson this defensive line is going to be nasty Nasty.
1: Nope. Yeah, Mike, you are a hundred percent, like a hundred percent right. Like, I had a whole podcast episode where we got into the pass rush. Whole episode episode was about our pass rush, how we're gonna be getting to the quarterback, which is why I'm gonna get into Carl Lawson. Then after we talk about Carl Lawson, and I get you hyped, man, you're gonna <laughs> freaking love this. The stats on Carl Lawson are amazing. And that's the me. point. It goes beyond the sacks. Afterward, I got a fun game, and I think the game is gonna get you also excited. So starting with Carl Lawson here. So like Keith was saying, sacks are obviously crucial. They're important, but there's more statistics beyond that. There's QB knockdowns. There's hitting the QB. There's pressuring the QB just in general. And when we look at all those numbers, Carl Lawson is not just elite. He's one of the best in the NFL. So in 2020 alone, Carl Lawson had 64 QB pressures. That was fourth among all Ed rushers, Mm. he had 32 QB hits, 32. That's more than Quinnen Williams and John Franklin Myers combined.
2: Wow. Combined
1: he had more, 32 QB hits. In fact, that was second in the whole NFL, only behind TJ Watt. Now Mm. if you factor that into a single game, because the game is 16 weeks, that means that every single week, Carl Lawson pressured the quarterback four times Mm. and hit the quarterback twice. Wow. Every single week, that was a minimum of what this man did. Now when it comes to QB knockdowns, which is almost almost basically a sack, Carl Lawson had 26 QB knockdowns, tied with TJ Watt for first in the NFL, number 1. And when you look at TJ Watt's sack numbers, 15 sacks a season, that's when you realize with Carl Lawson, it's going to translate.
0: But one of the things that bothers me is his tackle for loss stats. His penetration numbers are ridiculous. But you would think somebody that gets behind the, defense, the offensive line that much would have more impact with the tackle loss. Well, he has loss the impact. And he, does, and he doesn't. So it it's like he numbers. gets back there, but he doesn't actually execute. You know what I'm saying? Like, he gets the pressure. He gets a – but, you know, when it, it's a running back, whatever, you, his tackle for loss numbers really don't correlate to the amount of presence – that he has back there because he's getting back. There. He's but don't beating. forget. Oh, Mike, I'm going to make you feel a lot better. I got this Don't forget
2: also, Um, he didn't see, I mean, last year was the first time he really started, to be honest. I mean, you looked around most point. of his career. His first season, he started one game. He was situational. Second year, I think he was hurt, right? Guys he only played six or seven games. His third year, same thing, situational, got hurt. And then last year, he started 11 games. The whole end of the season, he started basically. Yeah. So this is a guy who started, I think, 14 games. He has 20 sacks in his career. So you take that amount of time he actually plays. Right, which was situational for a long time. And last year he got the grind all the time. And it is, if you look at it that way, Mike, through that lens, his numbers are even more impressive.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. And again, if you look at just the sack numbers, it's not impressive. But when you look at 64 QB pressures, when you look at 32 QB hits last year, and then 22 the year before that. So that's 54 QB hits in a two year span. Like this dude has it. And Mike, to make your point, because you know some people have that fear, I have two amazing, perfect examples for you. The first one, Leonard Williams. When Leonard Williams was here, we kept saying that he's a great player, great motor. The ability's there, but the numbers weren't. Well, it translated when he went to the Giants. And another great example is Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett, I think, is the perfect example. Because when Shaq Barrett was with the Denver Broncos, he he wasn't putting up big numbers. He was putting up one and a half sacks. Two, two sacks, yep, but what's yep. interesting was PFF was rating him as an 81 and 82. How many guys you know with a 1.5 sack that is an edge rusher that gets a rating that high? You're like, that's crazy, right? And that's that why just I wanted shows. him, yep. Mm-hmm. And then when he he had that ability, I wanted him too, yeah. but because he showed that when he went to Tampa Bay, yeah, that
0: ability loaded
1: that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Of a car loaded,
0: that's my perfect example Keith, yeah, off the map. Like, it was off the map. 19 and a, like, a half
1: sacks! He way almost way. had 20 sacks! Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's
1: what I'm thinking Carl Lawson's going to happen. That a light's going to go off. So, already, I got a game for you, Mike, and this is going to get you hyped. Okay. So, last year, the Jets had 31 sacks. That's it. 31 sacks in the whole freaking year. Mm. Now, based on what I just told you about Carl Lawson, I think you might agree that 10 to 15 sacks isn't impossible for him. Like, that's okay. impossible. All right. Now, if we take Quinn and Williams, and let's say... John Franklin Myers or Sheldon Rankins, you pick one. The two of them together should be able to get about 15 sacks. That's seven, eight each. Yeah, one at seven last year. That makes sense. That's 30 right there. So our sack total from last year was just equaled by just three guys. Now we factor in either Sheldon or John Franklin, because whichever one we didn't factor in before. That's probably another five to 10. I would say. And then we take everybody else Foley, Shepard, all the Huff. That's oh, probably another 10 50? altogether. That's what I'm saying, bro. We're looking at 50 oh, to 60
2: sacks, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure Mosley will sneak a sack in there, one or two. I mean,
1: yeah. And yeah, we're it, not even factoring DBs. We're not even factoring other exactly, guys' getting Exactly. We're yeah, not yeah, yeah, even I mean,
0: talking Marcus May yet.
1: We're, we're we are could be in the 50-60
0: range. And we're no going to talk
1: about our boy
2: May in a second, guys. We're into that. Marcus <laughs> made a couple sacks last year. Um, Basically, the only thing Jamal Adams could do is sack the quarterback. Play <laughs> back down in a second. But yeah, I'm excited. One, another guy I want to toss to you here. Now, we have a sleeper cell that Harrison's been keeping an eye on here. Oregon State. The highest, mm-hmm. I think it was the highest undrafted contract the Jets have ever doled out. Is, is that correct? Harrison? For a cornerback. Like, it's
1: actually, for a corner? you the Jets. Not not the Jets. A- it's a- the team. highest, yeah. It's the uh, highest paid corner, undrafted cornerback in history of the NFL.
2: Guys, 160 Sixty thousand dollars guaranteed and $20,000 signing bonus for one Isaiah Dunn from Oregon State. Now, you've been keeping track of him. You, you know a lot about this kid, um, Harrison. Wondula Jet fans know about him because we've been talking about all these different corners. We debated Hall a moment ago. Austin, we got Pinnock. We got Guidry. We have Eccles. We have um, Lamar Jackson we drafted last year. Valentine Hardy. There's a million guys we have. I don't think many Jet fans know a lot about this kid, Isaiah Dunn.
1: Yeah, and I didn't either, to be honest. I had, you know, he was an undrafted guy. I was excited about him because he was a wide receiver corner hybrid. And he, f- he flashed a lot in high school, from what I remember. But in college, he didn't do much. So, but... As we heard as of a couple of weeks ago, I think it was last week, I believe, Isaiah Dunn, when Bless Austin was out, was running with the firsts. I thought it was going to be Jason Pinnock, because you guys remember I was telling you how high I was on Pinnock. And he's run a little bit with the firsts, but it's been Isaiah Dunn a lot, too. He's running a lot with the firsts. And we mentioned Joe Douglas making him the highest-paid undrafted corner ever in the history of the NFL. Wow. So that that's a statement right there. Now, in college, he struggled. He didn't do a lot at Oregon State. Well, he didn't start his first year. And if you watched Oregon State the last three years, they have like zero wins, one win, two wins. He could be the product of bad coaching, which can yeah. make a lot of sense. Maybe Joe felt that way. Because I went back and looked, and I actually tweeted out today, if you guys want to take a look, check out my Twitter. I checked out his high school footage. And that is legit. This kid shined in high school. Oh, we need I it. really shined. In fact, his high school coach said he was one of the best man coverage cornerbacks he'd ever coached.
2: You know what's funny? You said um, last week when we spoke, Harrison, that it seems like Joe Douglas has a type when it comes to these corners he's going after. And for what I've read, this is another kid who was a track star in high school. So, I mean, he's just going to have dudes flying around out there. There's so many people that... So many That's like 10 guys, basically. I mean, yeah. they're going to shake out and see what happens. And I'm, by the time we start week one, very interesting to see what this depth chart looks like. I'm telling you.
0: And and the guy, corner, yes. The guy, the undrafted guy I have my eyes on is Hamilcar Richard Jr. That dude, Keith, he's the dude. Remember when we did the undrafted cats and I was like, son.
1: 2019. out the there that
0: got, like, I forgot how many sacks he had. He had like 15 or something wild. I was yeah. like, bro. He was like, one of the best sack uh yeah, I think he had 14 sacks 14 and like 20 sacks? TFLs, yeah. and like then off the map the next year. Ridiculous. And yeah. then COVID. Well, COVID, man, yeah. All yeah, the yeah, things. Sure, and sure. then he was whatever. But the talent is there. It was crazy. As an to undrafted read. guy. But dude, I like I, I'll be honest. I like Bryce Huff more. I think Bryce Huff oh, last I Huff. year was, was I the most amazing
1: undrafted. I couldn't believe he went undrafted. I oh, couldn't yeah.
0: believe that came won oh, draft. I love Huff. Oh, yeah. But we, we got some pieces there. And Salah, I know he's excited. He's excited. We got some Yeah, Mike,
2: there. with your boy, it's crazy to think that he had that many sacks. And then you saw as a criticism. Oh, well, he was just the beneficiary of, like, things happening. Or it was lucky or whatever. It's like, to have that many sacks at Division I college football, you got to be doing something right. You right? got to be putting yourself in the right position, right, guys? Like, can't all just be luck and happenstance. Because um, theoretically, if you did that for four years, he'd be breaking sack records out in the Pac-10. So, guys, you know what happened this week also? A little tweet mm. Harrison put out that we, ch- we chatted about was a comparison going into this season between one safety named Marcus May on the New York Jets and another safety named Jamal Adams on the Seattle Seahawks. Let's get into this. Just let's chop it up about this for a moment. Because I do. Because from what, from what I saw, um, it looked like Marcus May, now correct me if I'm wrong, guys, was ranked seventh by PFF going into this year. But you were <laughs> not wrong. One Jamal Adams was ranked 10th? Is that correct, guys? Did I see that right? Was there a typo? Did I see something wrong, guys? Because from what I saw, our boy, Marcus May, who had a way better season than Jamal Adams next last year, which we'll get into in a second, looks like people are way higher on him. Jamal Adams going into this year, a lot of people are down on him. Coverage skills seem to have completely disappeared. If they were there at all, I don't know. Never a good coverage safety, but last year was one of the worst in the NFL. 49th, actually, by PFF.
0: I, uh, Keith, I don't understand. So... I, I do listen to a few other Jet podcasts just to get information that I may have missed. Of course, one of them being Play Like a Jet podcast Scott Mason, and he was talking about this Harrison Keith, and he you know they were like oh well um, does Jamal Adams earned t- deserve to get paid more than Marcus May. And Scott Mason was like anyone. He poo pooed it completely. He was like everyone knows Jamal Adams is a better safety. I don't know why anyone would think that he's not. Yeah, he he may not have the best ball coverage skills, but he gets to the quarterback. And he essentially was just like Jamal Adams is a better safety. No, Scott, he's not. What he's are not. you talking about? Uh, he's like not like you can look at every metric, okay? PFF. Statistics, game impact. Last season, Jamal Adams was not a better NFL safety than Marcus May, period. Now, if you want to take the full context of Jamal Adams and like his bravado and his history and everything like that and his brand and make that why someone should pay someone services, then that's your view but that's not how the NFL looks at players it says what can you do for me and from last season Marcus May did more for the New York Jets on field than Jamal Adams did playing safety yes he had sacks yes he got to the quarterback what else did he do I see so I you know I hear these guys sometimes Harrison and Keith and I like I'm listening like what what planet do they understand football? Like, what are they? T- what is he talking about? I can't, man. I yeah, when you never think got about it, it's
1: actually beautiful. Like, it's amazing. Like, again, it's just the brilliance of Joe Douglas. Like, he traded away Jamal Adams at a time when we thought he was trading away the better safety. Everyone unanimously was saying he's trading away the better safety. That was easily. Even there wasn't anyone who would say otherwise. Yeah. And Joe Douglas gets two first-round picks and a third-round pick. And a player. When we look at guys like Julio Jones, who's a freaking Hall of Fame wide receiver, <laughs> who is literally one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Yo, check this out great Joe Douglas is. Joe Douglas got more for one of the worst quarterbacks statistically in the NFL than the Falcons got for the one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Like Joe Douglas straight up mugs people. Like he's got a gun <laughs> to their back. He's like, give me your money. Like he's taking their wallet. He's taking everything. <laughs> Yeah, and
2: guys, like last year, like Mike said, when you get into the stats, I know Jamal Adams missed four games, but the biggest ability in sports is availability. You've got to be out there to make the plays, right, guys? Especially when you want to get that fat contract extension. Can't just play 12 games. Ain't going to happen. But our boy had, Marcus May had more tackles than Jamal Adams did. Had 11 passes defended. Jamal Adams only had three. I know Jamal Adams Adams had the sacks, but Marcus May had two interceptions, two big interceptions, two forced fumbles. PFF grade was 82.9. Jamal Adams coming in around a 64? trash Come bag on, level man. his coverage grade one of the worst in the league now this is the other thing i want to get into which i find the best part harrison said this is this is wonderful and i love this as well guys um this year it's 2021 jamal adams is on the last year of his rookie contract now why did he leave the jets again did you guys remind me i forget what exactly it was. that's the beauty of it man I love guys, it. I love that's it. the beauty of it. he wanted I that long-term it. deal right like he, he was get gonna get that long-term money and i remember last year when the jets approached and they said look we're you guys remember, they said that Landon Collins kind of contract, maybe six years, $88 million, you get 45 guaranteed, you get $14, 15000000 average, blah, blah, blah. That's what leaked out as the Jets' intentions, at least. Jamal Adams said, no, I want to be the highest-paid player in the league. He gave Mosley $17 million, I want to make $18 million. Okay, we know how that went. We don't have to go through that all again. But I do know this, that if he would have signed that contract with the Jets, what we offered, he would have made $14 million last year. He'd be making $14 million this year. Last year with Seattle, he made $4 bucks. This year, he's making $9 million. He's already cost himself $13 million, okay? Not only did he cost yourself $13 million, now you're a diminishing asset. Because, yeah, you got sacks, but you couldn't cover anybody last year. So I get that some safeties have strengths. Some guys are good around the line of scrimmage. Jamal Adams is one of those guys. Some guys are tremendous in coverage. Um, Eric Reed, a ton of guys like that are, 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 are coverage guys, right? But you're not someone that's going to get the money you want when you're one-dimensional. You know, you know Troy Polamalu, Adams. You were shying away from a tackle last year. We put you on blast on the show. We all saw it. This offensive line, Henry gets caught in the mix, and Jamal Adams, at the end of that play,
0: you know, he didn't really stick his head in there the way you would expect. And
2: We all saw what happened. Not only did he cost himself the money, then Marcus May goes outplays him last year. He gets that's why franchised. I him to get
0: paid so bad. I want May to get paid so we and can just be like, and oh! even this year,
2: just to say, just this year, Marcus Megas franchise, he's making 10.6. Jamal Adams is making 9.8. I just, it just, everything about it. No, it's amazing. It's it's incredible.
1: We talked about, yeah, we talked about this on the phone. It's crazy. He left specifically because he wanted to get paid. That was the thing. And his players cost him that. And if you think about it. it
0: I think he just wanted to be off the Jets because they were losing. That's what I think it was. No, I think, no, I agree. I think it's both. I think probably both,
1: probably a combination
2: both. of both because it seemed like when he got drafted, if you guys remember when Jamal Adams got drafted, his comments were, I'm never going to be a problem, I'm gonna, I'm here. And all these years, he's ride or die with the Jets, we're going to figure it out, we're going to figure it out. Um, I think the losing got to him, Mike. And then I think the money is how he in his head reasoned the Jets could make it okay. You guys lose all the time, but you'll make it okay to me if you just pay me 18 million bucks because he thought he's that good. You know, he thinks in his head, his ego's that big. I deserve to be one of the highest paid players in the league. And as long as you keep me paid that level, I'll stay on this bum ass team I don't want to be on. And that's
1: that's kind of what I was trying to say, you know, before. Like, we all know that, and you you and me, Keith, we talked all about why I really don't like Jamal Adams. Like yeah. I didn't I, I was fine in that situation. It was what he did later on that really, really upset me. He's a me guy. He's no, a me it's, guy. It's, it's more than that. It's more than that. It's it's yeah. But um, yeah, he's
2: just and the, the way, like the way he exited out. I know it didn't, Bob. You had other issues. You you took uh, umbrage with Harrison, but I just, you know, it's it's a it's a manifestation of like the modern times that we live in that. When you don't get what you want, now athletes just pout, force their way out, bury the team, bury the people that supported you and drafted you and have had your back the whole time. And they have no problem doing it. And um, I just Jamal Adams, my whole point is he presented himself as a completely different version of that. He's a completely different person. I'm not that guy, and they ended up being a complete fraud. But guess what, guys? We got plenty of picks. We have the better safety, we have another first round pick next year.
0: Oh, Jamal Adams, we're excited, man. And Jeff fans should be, be and Jeff, sorry, should be excited. Keith, you're excited. I'm excited. Be excited. Why not? Yeah. When the hell yeah. else are we excited, right? Yeah. So it's time, man. Enjoy it. Eat
2: yeah, it. Yeah, and when when we went ahead and you saw Elijah Vera Tucker get drafted to the Jets, I mean, theoretically, he might be even better than Becton. Uh Guys, we can thank you, Jamal Adams, for that. Joe Douglas, of course. Exactly. No, yeah, I said the
1: same thing. Yeah, thank exactly. You. That thank was thanks to the Jamal Adams trade. Yeah. So but what I was saying before was, just quick, Jamal yeah. wants to be paid. That's the thing. And he thinks his value is so much more than it is. So I'm just like trying to imagine a scenario where Seattle, because he's been so bad, doesn't want to pay him. And he wants this big deal. Could you imagine if he walked? Like, that means basically they gave us those two first rounders for a two-year loaner. Yeah. Of Jamal that's the, other,
2: that's the other angle on this, Harris. So you oh hit the nail on the goodness. head is that. The pressure, the, the position they put themselves in Seattle, it's like you go out, you spend 100 Gs on a car. You drive down the road, and you're like, oh, my God, I bought a lemon. Like, you can't tell anyone. You're so embarrassed. are like, I have to fix this car. I can't tell anyone I just wasted this money. They have to figure it out with him. You know, they, they really, yeah. they really put themselves in a tough spot because they gave up the amount, the amount they gave up. I mean, good quarterbacks are getting traded for less. You mentioned Julio Jones got traded for less. Exactly. Um, I mean, tremendous players in the NFL have been traded for less than Jamal Adams. So don't get me wrong. When we traded him, his value was very high and he was a good safety. He's, he, he, I'm not saying Jamal Adams is a bad player or anything like that. I'm just saying, like you said, where he thinks his value's at and where it is in 2021 I don't think those things are matching up in real time and how we know that's a fact still doesn't have that contract. Still doesn't have that contract.
1: Doesn't. Yeah, but Mike, shout out to your boy before that was saying Jamal's so much better. You have to evaluate each position accordingly to how they play. First of all, safety's not a value position anymore. We have to accept that. It's all about having an elite corner that can shut somebody down. Safety, yeah, no, he, even he the was, most highest paid safeties don't make bank.
0: He, he wasn't saying that he's so much better. He was just saying that he's going to get the, the bigger contract because he's the better safety. And he was saying it in a way, he was saying it in a way that was just dismissive like oh no jamal i don't agree jamal adams is a better safety yeah he may not be as good in coverage but his value is better no no scott no scott he's exactly. not now, now i agree i agree with scott and what he said what may's value because if may is asking for 20 million i i agree scott's saying you know put, pay him 13 14 somewhere in that range which agreed you know 10 12 13 14 around there you want to do that that's fine But if he's asking for upwards of 15 million, uh, I'm not paying May that much. Well, I actually,
1: quick, I actually had a whole podcast on the May situation. I think it's unique and different than, I think it's different than the way people are looking at it. We know Marcus May's value. I mean, PFF ranked him higher than Jamal Adams. He's the seventh ranked saint in the NFL. Again, superior coverage skills, proved he can play in the box, and he does everything. He did everything Jamal Adams does, plus he can cover. So I think Joe Douglas, he's proven it with other guys. He knows value. He understands what May's value is for. My take is it's not the money, It's the duration. It's the duration. Because, exactly, because May's 28 years old. So I'm thinking May wants like a four-year deal. And Joe's like, hey, you know, I want to give you a two to maybe three. Three. I think that's where the hang-up is. That's where I think it's
0: less the money. I feel like all the big contracts now are all three years, unless you're Patrick Mahomes and you sign for 100 years. You know, it's three years and that's it, you know, and then guaranteed at least. Like, those are the longest... Contracts out, so give him a three-year deal. That's I'm what I would okay do. I give him more the, guarantee. That's giving, the trick. Yeah, less, like yeah. yeah, more
1: guaranteed. Yeah, Mike, I give him two years. Yeah, more guaranteed.
2: When your boy discounts, you know May and Adams in the comparison, and so oh, he doesn't cover here as good. But like, I mean, that's fifty percent of the game. More than that, when you're a safety, when, when you, when, exactly. you dis, when you're discounting your coverage skills as a safety. <laughs> that's what I was saying before like, that
1: position matters.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any. I mean, that 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 argument doesn't make a lot of sense to me i mean the, the reason that jamal adams can can um blitz effectively is because when you have a safety out there you're assuming he's going to cover someone then when they don't they surprise you to get a sack maybe right like if he if he's like oh i'm just gonna line up as i'm so good at s- a second dude i'm gonna line up as an outside linebacker bro you're 210 that One thing work. so can't... his effectiveness it's like when my point is when his only skill is rushing the quarterback around the line of scrimmage you're leaving a hole for your team in the second yeah,
1: but me can do that
0: so keep, May keep, can yes I, Adams can I agree. so when it comes
2: and when it comes to Adams they had the worst secondary imaginable last year this yawks, they got him for that reason they were last in the league almost last in the league when it comes to <laughs> passes against. So they were I mean a, he didn't they actually got worse with Jamal Adams in their secondary. Last it's
0: year. it's it's lazy analysis and what I've learned the more I've gotten into this podcasting game guys is that there are podcasters there are analysts who just stick with the narrative. And then there are those who actually make a opinion off of educated knowledge and go and step out there with, you know, when I, if you go on Bleacher Report right now, the guy who ranked uh, position help had the Jets as ranked 30th last year. Guess what? They have them ranked 30th this year. Laziness, dumbness, stupidness. They have no... They just... We're the Jets. So we're the 30th ranked... Oh. I can't wait to If talk they talk didn't the actually look at what... It's ridiculous. Did this, oh, oh, it's man. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's think, not being a fanboy. Yeah. This team is not the 30th ranked offense in the league. No. It's not. I understand no. there's questions about Zach Wilson. He's a rookie. I understand LaFleur. There's questions there. But you look across the board with what we've added. Yeah. Again, lazy analysis because they're the Jets. And until the Jets do something, they're going to be lazy. Or people look at, you know, the great teams like Tampa Bay. They brought everybody back. Everyone assumes they're just going to go and stomp everyone out. Guess what? Tom Brady, 45 years old. He's not going to do it forever. So yeah. you going to go and get on that bandwagon, go ride them off to another Super Bowl. He's 45. He's going to yeah. fall off one day. Y'all saw what happened to Peyton I'm Peyton. waiting for it, bro. I've been waiting for five he freaking years. Pay Manning. Manning's the, the ball just started fluttering. Like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> he just fell off. We were all like, what? wrong with Pete. Yeah, he got old. It's going Yeah, but didn't Tom happen. Brady
1: have like forty something touchdowns last year? Like, I don't want to give that man I, any credit. I'm. I, I've I, been I, waiting for like almost a decade I, I, for his ass to slow down. Know. I
0: feel like what is up with? I him? don't
1: get what's going on with he's, him. He's they like, got to check him for the H the human growth hormone I, or I, I don't that. know what's going on agreed, there. Agreed. That dude is like either either that or he's like part Olympian or something. Or, I don't know. I don't know. He's from Wakanda. I don't know. Something crazy. <laughs> something crazy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just keeps playing forever. I mean,
2: we've been waiting for him to fall off. And I mean, Brady's eventual decline will come, but it's just not coming anytime soon, I don't think, guys. The way they've surrounded him there with the of oh, receivers, yeah. and he never gets hit. And if you do hit him, you get a flag on you. So Tom Brady's got a nice little posh set up there. I think he's going to <laughs> be doing good. But we don't care about that no more, guys. Guess what? Because he's down in Tampa Bay. He's not there in New England torturing us. Right. Right? New England's gonna have Cam Newton out there. They're gonna have. Max I still Trump. hate him though. <laughs> oh, I, I hate. I, you can never not hate him. But I think my hate was a little lessened once he left the Patriots. Um, you know, the evil empire. The whole I life, hate. But. I
0: hate New England, and that's it. I oh, yeah, hate Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I don't. I just like him, but it, New England. I want I that.
1: I actually realized uh, I hate Brady more than New England. I realized you do? That he left. I do. I do. I realized that when he left. Yeah, I hate.
0: That. I, I can I get know. into I, it. I, if- I, 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 I look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna step on your. I, look, I just <laughs> I have a lot of pent up feelings, and the reason why, you know what it I mean, is. Here's the but thing. Can is- I just explain something real quick? Real yeah, quick. I just yeah. Yeah. It desk, okay. Chipper Jones. I'm a Met fan. Chipper Jones kicked our ass always, but I never hated him. I respected him when he retired because that's kind of what I was gonna say. He, he did it the right way. You know what I'm saying? And, and named his daughter Shaq. Steroid era. During the steroid era, he was kicking our ass and he didn't do cheating or nothing. And I give it when he retired, I said, chipper, all, you killed my killed my soul, but I respect you. I, when I found out what the Patriots were doing, after all the things, you know, they're beating our bass, beating our ass, but I wasn't like I didn't have the hatred. And then I found out the cheating also? Yeah. I son that it just went inside. So I'm like, I, I can't explain it. And I, I just look at that team like, yo, you know what? Y'all over there. Uh-uh.
1: Well, to be yeah. fair, you could throw Belichick into the equation too. That I hate them both. It's them. Cause this is the way I looked at it. Like I thought about it. I was like, okay, when I was a kid and Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback of the Patriots, I didn't hate the Patriots. Me like neither. I didn't. And that's how I'm looking at it. So I realized, okay, maybe you agree with me that it's Brady and Belichick. Like that's it's where they hate. It's that like, the hate. was like I didn't cheating, hate though. them when the that. Cheating. No, no, no. I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. Like the cheating, but with Brady, the cheating, the deflating of the footballs, the it's arrogant like fire attitude, alarm. the cursing. It's fire alarm. And- so much.
0: You go into the hotel. They're pulling fire alarms at two in the morning, waking up the team. How come?
1: How come? When he threw the freaking. Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi, the trophy that means something. When he threw it from boat to boat like it was a joke, why did they praise him? I was actually kind of pissed. I was like, you're you're treating it like it's a freaking beach ball.
2: I mean, there's other players in the league and we don't have to go down this road that could have done the same thing. Probably would have been treated with a different approach by the media, Harrison. I thought, it's funny you say that. And that's another thing with Brady.
1: I feel like, how many times, we know this. is not even, we thought it was with New England. It's Brady and Tampa Bay too. There are quarterbacks. Cam Brady, you can murder him and you won't get a flag. You can literally break him in half and you won't get a flag. Tom Brady, all you have to do is breathe on his neck. That's all you have to do. Just come behind him and breathe on his neck and it's a penalty.
2: All right, Harrison, I know you got all types of stuff going on on social media. I want to let people know where they can find you.
1: Definitely, man. I'd love for you guys to check me out. So I actually have my own company. We do Jets writing, Jets reporting. I was having issues with my website. I, I do it all myself. It's my company. I had a bunch of issues with my website. It's been a couple of months. I'm still working them out a little bit, but I wrote an article today on the Keeling Cole situation. So and i that, try yeah. to get right, because I wasn't yeah. able to write for a while because... We could do a whole episode yeah. on that. I feel like I I've saw learned your post
2: You you, you I've learned yeah. Was. <laughs> I, was I was letting not, everyone man. know because it's yeah.
1: been it's been a it's been a thing. You should know it's all me. Like I do it myself. Yeah. But I own my own company, we're a legit business registered to the state. We're take flight media. I have jets writing, jets reporting. The website is takeflightmedia.org. You could find me on Twitter at NYJetsTFmedia. TF Media. But like you see on the name of me right here on I think it's on this side, <laughs> right here on uh uh i forgot where we are for a second zoom <laughs> right here on zoom <laughs> i was like where are we right here on zoom i have the take flight spit and fire podcast i do every monday it's monday nights live on youtube at 7 p.m i have guests sometimes i've had a uh, matt o'leary i've had richie Malora. have a lot of great guys on uh but i do a lot my own myself as well again monday nights the take flight spit and fire podcast check it out
2: anyone doesn't want to get at us support us involve themselves in the ain't easy being green world in any way, shape or form. Mike, where could they do that?
0: Hey guys, please go to YouTube, search AEBG. We're on YouTube. We're looking to just, you know, take it to the next level. Got getting subscribers, you know, getting action. We, We are gonna deliver an amazing product to you. So please subscribe, like our shows. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. We are everywhere, hosted on SoundCloud. So please give us a like and a listen. And we appreciate the love, baby. Go jets.
2: All right. On behalf of the biggest Jet Fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, and the busiest man in the jet world today, Harrison Glazer, my name is Keith Farrell. Good at you next week, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>